All right, this is our last message in the series, The Blueprint, God's Master Plan for Your Life. And we have talked about all these things that are part of God's plan for our life. And most of the messages have had a title like, Fishing is Part of His Plan, or Shepherds are Part of His Plan, Rest is Part of His Plan, Blessing is Part of His Plan. Uh, Pastor David Smith and I were talking about this the other day. It's amazing to watch how a, um, a, a series takes shape. And uh, we made the comment yesterday that probably most of you look at the titles and the series and the way it's shaped, and you think that we actually planned it that way. But we didn't. I really believe it's the Holy Spirit leading in these series, in these messages, to take us somewhere. And, and it, it, it surprises me, too, how it turns out. So this week's message is protection is part of His plan. Protection is part of his plan. Let me remind you that Nehemiah 13, the chapter 13, is when Nehemiah sets in place three principles that the people of God had let slip when they came back into the land. And we've already talked about two of those principles, and so this is the third one. Nehemiah 13, verse 23. In those days I also saw Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. And half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of Judah, but spoke according to the language of one or the other people. Verse 25 is the verse that we read last week in the Living Bible, and this is the verse that I base my theory on, that Nehemiah was a part of a motorcycle gang before he got saved. Look at verse 25. So I contended with them and cursed them, struck some of them, and pulled out their hair, and made them swear by God, saying, You shall not give your daughters as wives to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or for yourselves. All right. So the principle here is about intermarriage. And I want to explain some things about it because I think it has been misapplied and misinterpreted by the church at large because of prejudice and racism. And that has absolutely nothing to do with this principle. This is a principle of protection. Why did Nehemiah, though, get so upset that they were violating this principle? And let's ask the question, just like we did about tithing and the Sabbath the last two weeks, why did God implement this principle in the first place? Well, let me tell you two things about it, all right? Number one, it was never about race. It was never about race. Absolutely never. When God told Israel not to marry the sons and the daughters of these nations surrounding them, it was never about race. Just to use another R word, which I don't really like the word, it was not about race, it was about religion. In essence, it was about that they did not serve God and they would draw their hearts away. God's heart has always been for all people. For all nations. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Mark eleven seventeen, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but don't forget the last three words, for all nations, for all people. Well, I've seen scriptures on the wall, sign plaques with this scripture, and they leave off the last three words. My house shall be called a house of prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Great. What are we praying for? We're praying for people. And who are we praying for in specific? We're praying for every nation, every tribe, every tongue, all peoples to come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mark 13, verse 10. 
Jesus said, and this gospel must first be preached to all the nations. God's heart is so much for all the nations. In essence, Jesus said, I'm not coming back until you get all of them. Until you tell everybody about me. And then even the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. God's heart is for all nations. As a matter of fact, the reason, and we said this when we began the series, the reason that he chose the Jewish people was not because they were better than others or not because in any way they were stronger than others. As a matter of fact, the only reason that he gives in Scripture that he chose Israel was because they were the smallest nation. Here was God's plan. If I can make the smallest nation the most powerful nation, then the other nations will want to know me. And they'll know that I'm the true God. God does not favor one nation or one race above any other race. God's heart is for all people. The reason He chose Israel was so that He could get everyone in the kingdom. That was His heart. As a matter of fact, this is what He said to Abraham in Genesis 12. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That word families means tribes or nations. Even in the New Testament, when they quote this verse, Galatians 3.8, they use the word nations. In you, all the nations will be blessed. This word nations is the Greek word ethnos. It's where we get our word ethnic from. In other words, in you, every ethnic group, every race, every tribe, every nation will be blessed. The reason, Israel, that I'm choosing you is because my heart is actually for everyone. And so I'm going to set my love on you and bless you so that every nation will want to come to be the nation of God. That's my purpose. It was never about race. God is not a racist. Do not use any of you, if you have any type of that dogma in you, do not use the Scripture. It is amazing to me. And it is horrifying to me that people who believe that try to use the Bible and try to use this to back it up. This was never God's intention. Even when Jesus was on this earth and He was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, He still ministered to other people other than Jewish people. He ministered to the Samaritan woman. He set the, he cast the demon out of the daughter of the Syrophoenician woman. He healed the servant of the Roman centurion. God's heart is for all people. It doesn't say for God so loved the Jews. It says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Do you think it really matters to God if a person of European descent marries a person of African descent? Do you think it really matters to God if a person of Asian descent marries a person of Latin descent? Let me, let me remind you of a scripture. Man looks on the outward. God looks at the heart. What God is looking at, the reason that this principle, and we're going to get more into this in point two, but the reason God put this principle in place was because God doesn't care if you marry someone of a different race. God cares if a believer marries a Satan worshiper. And that's what these other nations were. And He knew that they would draw their hearts away from God. When we were um, interviewing one of our pastors on staff, Cam Hunt. Cam works with our junior high youth. When we were interviewing him... Cam is African-American. Kendra, his wife, is Caucasian. And one of the pastors asked me, um, do you think that we're sending the right message? Are, we, are you concerned at all about the message that we're sending to our junior high young people? It wasn't a, 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 meant to be a bad question at all. It was just a, a very straightforward, honest question. 
And I, and this was my answer. I said, well, let's see. Cam and Kendra are both believers. They had their parents' blessing to date and to get married. And they were married. And when they went into marriage, they were pure. Yes, we're sending the exact message that I want to send to our young people. That is exactly the message that I want to send. And by the way, I, I just found, I found out afterwards that... Uh, Cam was interviewed at another church to be the youth pastor, and the interview was going great, and everything's wonderful. They got right down to the end. They were just about to hire him, telling him, man, you're just perfect for us, absolutely perfect. And Cam said, oh, I do need to let you know that my wife is Caucasian, and they ended the interview right there. Isn't that amazing? That for some reason, we think that God looks on the outward. But He doesn't. He looks at the heart. And I'm telling you, we have allowed prejudice to come into our lives, even to this day. And I don't believe that there's a racist here. I don't believe there is. But I believe that all of us have some prejudice. And the point is, we have to deal with it. By the way, do you know what heaven looks like? Because some of you are going to be disappointed. This doesn't look like heaven. Our church doesn't look like heaven. Our church looks like the area of the Metroplex we're in. But our church does not look like heaven. It really doesn't. Let me read you a couple of verses. Revelation 5, 9. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. By the way, this is a great scripture because it means that there's going to be somebody from every nation in heaven. Isn't that a good one? Revelation 7, 9. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands. Listen, if you have a problem with people of different races and nations, you're not going to like heaven. And God knows that, so He's probably not going to let you in in the first place. (laughs) Or put you in a neighborhood, you'll have to deal with it. (laughs) Heaven is not going to be segregated. Did you know that the most segregated hour in America is Sunday mornings? It is amazing to me that we, even in the church, do not understand this principle. And don't allow God to deal with it. I remember the first time as an adult that I saw prejudice in my heart as a believer. I didn't grow up in a prejudice home, but I grew up with prejudice. And I remember as an adult, and I'm ashamed to tell you this, but I remember in my early 20s seeing a person of a different race in a nice home. And the thought came to me, how could he afford that? And immediately I was ashamed. Now, I know I'm I'm being very vulnerable with you, but you've had thoughts like this. You've had horrible thoughts. And I thought, why? Why would I have that thought? And I I, I realized that where I grew up, most people of different races than I were poor. And so my assumption was, you see, that's a prejudice. Let me tell you what the word prejudice means. It comes from two words, pre-judge. It means you make a judgment about a person before you know the facts. And we've all done it. We do it all the time. We meet someone and make judgments in our mind about that person. That's prejudice. I'm going to confess to you that I still have a prejudice. And I, uh, I thought about it when I was in this message. I thought, well, I might as well just bring it out in the open. I still have, I am prejudiced against blondes. I prejudge them. 
I know that I do. I do have some evidence behind me, though. To... I have a blonde daughter. She's wonderful. She's beautiful. She's brilliant. But every now and then, you know, a while back during those storms, our, our electricity went out. The heat went out in our house. And, um, and so she came to me and she says, I'm cold. That's kind of the way she is. She's very bossy. She gets it from her mother. <laughs> she said, I'm cold like that. I said, well, sugar, daddy can't do anything about it because we don't have any electricity. So the, the heat's out. She said, well, just plug in the little heaters. <laughs> I have a friend of mine. His wife's blonde and his three daughters blonde. By the way, blonde is not your hair color. You can be a brunette and be a blonde. I just want you to know. You can be a, it's not your gender either. You can be a man and be a blonde. <laughs> you know, uh, Jeff Foxworthy has the, you might be a redneck if. I'm going to write a book, you might be a blonde if. You know, for instance, if you stared at an orange juice carton because it says concentrate. <laughs> this friend of mine. We were at a we were at a banquet. It's actually for a life outreach with James and Betty, and and uh, for him was singing. And they had these in ear monitors that all of our musicians have, you know. And afterwards, he said, "Boy, weren't they great?" To his wife, and she said, "Yeah, but it's so sad." He said, "What's so sad?" She said, "Every one of them had a hearing aid." <laughs> I'll tell you one more. This friend of mine. <laughs> Hey, you're supposed to laugh in church. This, this friend of mine has a daughter, and she's a, a blonde. And, and um, they're driving down the street, and, and they saw this guy on a bicycle. And it was one of those bicycles has a real nice chair, but the pedals are out in front of you. Have you seen those? This real comfortable chair, pedals out in front. And she said, oh, that is so sweet. And he said, well, what? She said, they invented a bicycle for paralyzed people. <laughs> All right, let's... The point is, if you have prejudice, deal with it. If there's an issue in your heart, listen, all of us grew up with some prejudice. Because we grew up in a horrible, sin-filled world. And that's where prejudice comes from. It comes straight from the heart of Satan. But we're in a new kingdom now. And in this new kingdom, it's all languages, all nations, all tribes, all tongues, and all people. So number one, this principle about intermarriage was never, never, I want you to hear that, never about race with God. Number two, it was always about protection. It was always about protection. Deuteronomy 7, verse 3. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. For, remember when you see the word for, you can substitute the word because. He's giving you the reason now that he just said what he said. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. That's the reason, he says. Look at uh, in Nehemiah 13, before we go to 1 Kings, look at verse 26. We stopped a moment ago at verse 25. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations there was no king like him who was beloved of his God. And God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless... Pagan women caused even him to sin. I like the word even in that statement. Even him to sin. Now, go to 1 Kings chapter 11. And this is going to detail what Solomon did. 1 Kings 11, verse 1. 
But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely, he's going to say it even stronger, surely, it's, it's not just a possibility, it's a probability, it's for sure, they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. And he had 700 wives. I want to make a comment about that. For those of you that men that think that that might be a, a good thing, I just want to show you the other side of the fence, too. He also had 700 mother-in-laws. So, all right. You know, I'm getting in a lot of trouble today. <laughs> all right. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart, now watch this, a very sad statement about a great man. His heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Now watch, you've probably never seen this statement in your Bible. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. And did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place. Do you know what a high place is? It's a temple. A temple. On a hill, but it's a temple. For Shemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem. And for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise. Now watch this statement. It's going to blow you away. And he did likewise for all all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. All right, let me ask you a question to kind of shock you. Two questions. One is, how many of you know that Solomon built the temple? How many of you know that? Okay. How many of you know that Solomon built many temples? See, most of us don't think about that. And he built one for God. He built many for demons. For false gods. We just read it in the Bible. He built temples for all of his foreign wives and for their gods. What a horrible thing to do. Why? And by the way, Solomon was the wisest person to ever live. The Bible tells us that. Listen, if the wisest person to ever live could be duped, could you? What alliances are you forming? Marriage, the way God meant it to work, marriage is when you give your heart to someone. Marriage is when you submit to that person. We talk about the scripture, wives submit to your husbands. Before that scripture, it says submit to one another. Marriage is when you yield to one another, male or female. It's when you give all of you, you give your heart. How in the world could, could you give your heart to a Satan worshiper had it not affect you? That's what Solomon did. Matter of fact, one of the gods that he built a temple to was Molech. Do you, do you remember about Molech? Molech was the god of fire. Do you know what sacrifices they offered in the temple of Molech? Children. Alive. They burned their children alive. Now, you want me to shock you a little more? They burned children alive in a temple that Solomon built. This was a great man. 
This was a man that God gave a wise and understanding heart to and blessed him with everything, the wealthiest, wisest man at the time on the face of the earth. And Satan said, I know how I can get him. I know exactly how I can get him. See, this was always for protection. Now, you might say to yourself, might be a little romantic in you, you might say, well, if these kids really loved each other, well, let me explain something to you. They didn't. There's not a Romeo Juliet story in here about that, about this. Let me tell you why. They didn't even know each other. It was a business deal between the parents. The reason that the Israel, the reason that Israel gave their daughters to the sons of these foreign gods, these foreign nations, was because two reasons. Number one, they did it so the nations wouldn't attack them because it's tough to attack a nation where your grandkids live. They wanted intermarriage for that reason. Secondly, they did it to do business with them. Because if you have a company and you need timber for your company, if you give your, say, go to the guy that has the timber company in the other country and say, I'll give my daughter to your son, now you're doing business with your in-laws. Listen, the reason that they violated this principle was two reasons. They violated this principle for protection and for provision, and those are the two things that only God can provide. Israel was defiantly saying to God, we don't trust you to provide and protect us. So we're going to make a deal with the devil. There wasn't a love story in here. These marriages were not rooted in love. They were rooted in fear. They were rooted in fear of poverty and fear of slavery. That's why they did it. Strictly a business deal. They treated their daughters like property. You do business with me, I'll give my daughter to you. Think about it. And these people were not just unbelievers. They were Satan worshippers. By the way, these nations knew about God and had a chance to believe in God. But they defiantly refused to believe in God. Malachi 2 verse 11, Judah has dealt treacherously. And an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution, which he loves. By the way, that's marriage. He has married the daughter of a foreign god. Now, how could the Bible say he has married the daughter of a foreign god? How could it say that? Well, let me explain it to you. There are only two fathers. There's the father of light and the father of darkness. There's the father of truth and the father of lies. So what he said here, in essence, was Judah has profaned the holy institution of marriage because he married a daughter of Satan. Why would a believer even consider marrying a daughter of Satan or a son of Satan? Why would you even consider that and think that that might be God's best for your life? That's very low self-esteem. God's best for me is to marry the son of the devil. No. God's best for you is to marry a son of light that will love you and treat you the way you should be treated. New Testament backs this up. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Look at all the analogies in this verse. What communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? That's a word for Satan. Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. What if you're already married to an unbeliever? It speaks very clearly. It says don't leave. Because God's power. Don't, don't go into that 
But if you're already married and you come and you come to know the Lord and you're married to an unbeliever, here's what the Bible says. And this is the hardest part. Here's what the Bible says. That unbeliever can be one, here's the hard part, without a word. That means you don't need to say anything. But if you live your life the way the Bible says live your life, that unbeliever is going to say, this is the, the best wife I could possibly have, and it looks like God's the one that did the work in her. I'd like to know her God. But listen, this isn't just marriage. What alliances do you have that are drawing your heart away from God? But what about things simply as the books you read, the magazines you read, the movies you watch, the television programs you watch, the business partners you have, the friends that you run around with? Are your friends pulling you away from God or pushing you toward God? See, it was always about protection. I want you to understand something. All of these, these last three principles that we talked about, he sets the principle of tithing back in. We talked about this two weeks ago, but it was really the principle of blessing. Because God wants to bless us. All of God's principles are for our good. God wants to protect you if you'll let Him. Years ago, Debbie and I were buying a new house. And we put a contract on it. And uh, we were praying. We knew enough to pray, God, we want your will. But you know, sometimes you think you know what His will is, you know. <laughs> so, Lord, we really, really, really want that house. But if it's not your will, you know, then we'll understand. Be mad, but understand. <laughs> and I was out of town preaching somewhere, and she got a phone call from the mortgage company. And this guy said, you, need to, you and Robert need to come down and sign a paper real quickly, like right now. And she said, well, he's out of town. And she said, well, he said, well, then you need to come and sign it. While he's trying to get her to go down with two small children and sign this contract, sign another piece of paper, she has the news on in the background. The house that we have the contract on is flooded on the news. <laughs> that we got a contract on. It's got three feet of water on it, and the helicopter is showing our house on the news. <laughs> and so she says... The house that we got a contract on is on the news, and it's flooded. And then she just kind of had a little thought. She said, is that why you want me to come sign a piece of paper? So she said, I'll have my husband call when he gets back in town. So we got out of the house, obviously. <laughs> and um, I remember telling the Lord, thinking about, I was thinking about the financial consequences. You know, all, that's the way men think. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I wasn't saving you financially. you got two small kids you got a baby. The water rose three feet in 20 minutes. Listen to me. God will protect you if you'll let Him. If you'll follow His principles. And one of His principles is, watch out for the people you make alliances with. Because they can draw your heart away. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.